Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. At this point, I am. I mean, I think since I've been in the league, it's always been dialogue about, um, you know, me versus my teammates, like me versus Russell, me versus Steph and Draymond, me versus Kyrie now, mm-hmm. James. Um, you know, and a lot of people, you know, when Golden State won, it felt like they went back and said, well, if they won this one, then they could have easily won 2017, yeah. 2018 with somebody other than KD. But I'm just like, why? Uh, somebody other than me. <laughs> like, why you want to just pull me from the group? You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it, it'd be irritating to hear that because I just want to watch the game. And, <laughs> and, and, and I also like those dudes. Like, I played basketball with those guys, and I was a part of that dynasty that they're building right now. And I didn't think they had a dynasty until right now. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. Free Agency Day. I'm Dave Dufour, joined as I am every single week on Nerder She Wrote by Seth Partnow and Mo Dekeel. What's up, guys? Kind of a, um, I'm not going to call it boring, because it certainly is not a boring day, but the free agent signings have not been uh, monumental, let's say. It's been a boring day. I, I just, <laughs> just want to, I mean, besides the big news, it's been a boring day besides that. I just want to say, Dave, in honor of the day, you should have started talking before you actually started recording. Because oh, everything, yes. everything yeah. else is happening before it should today, so, you know, why not? There is absolutely no way the Knicks are dodging tampering charges, correct? Like, it's just impossible. No, they're meeting. They're meeting now. They're meeting. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, oh, 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 they lose a second round pick. Oh, woe is me. Haven't the Knicks traded away all their second round picks anyway? What are you going to do? Like somebody was somebody was saying that about the, the Clippers. I'm like, what are they going to do? Take the, Cli- the, the, the Clippers pick away from Oklahoma City? Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're not going to have actual penalties with tampering, it doesn't matter. Tamper yeah. away, folks. We've known this was happening for about, like, I don't know, five months. So um, congratulations to the Knicks. Uh, let's start with we'll get the big there. news. Yeah, let's start with the big news, guys. Of course... News out of Brooklyn today, because nothing was happening in the NBA. Net star Kevin Durant has requested a trade. And this has just been building for a little bit. Obviously, we went through the entire Kyrie Irving saga before the opt-in, and and he dared to be different here, Seth, and opted in. And now KD is asking out. Apparently, they're both going to be gone. Seems like the Nets, this is over. And uh, we have a whole situation on our and hands, they, guys. And they traded a first-round pick next year 
for Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal, who would be a good player and, to have next to KD and Kyrie. And, and re-sign Patty Mills, who would be a good – yeah, I – okay. This, well, this I think is, Patty Mills is the Ben Simmons whisperer. Yeah, this, this has this has some time to play out, so I don't want to like. There are ways this could play out that it's it, it's it's salvaged. So I don't want to like get too far ahead until we see it all the way play out. But and this I, is I should note well. that we're actually we're recording Thursday evening, so I mean stuff may continue to come you know down the the news pipeline to, uh, as we're recording. To like timestamp it, uh, Kevin Knox just got six million dollars. That's where we are in in, in real time. Followed yeah. by Gary Harris getting a nice little yeah. like $26 okay. million yeah. or whatever that was. So, okay, guys. So, uh, let's go back to the Nets. Uh, it's a mess. But the Nets actually have an extremely valuable asset here uh, in Kevin Durant. So, they're going to be fielding trade offers. And they, they should get something good out of this. Maybe a chance to, to undo some of the future damages that they've done to their asset chest uh, in the trade for James Harden, where they've essentially given up control of their draft picks for it's amazing it's amazing that a difference nets regime has made the same mistake that the other nets regime made like it's i i i get it and seth you can make all the faces but it's similar mistake you basically made a massive trade gave all your draft equity away and now you're sitting here with you're going to be they're going into next season with nothing let's just be honest so the, I mean, the one difference is at least they, they at least they were really good, for that. like they, like the last one they they you know they did all that to sneak into the playoffs and then everyone like fell apart age wise. So I uh, you know and and because of that, as Dave um, as Dave is alluding to, like they you know they did did reasonably well in recouping some of the value for Harden in the Simmons trade. I think they're going to do like depending on wh- which direction they go. I think they're they may not get dollar for dollar, but they'll get something back on 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 the Durant part of it. So it's not like it, that. The net situation post the the Garnett trade was the worst team building situation in the salary cap era. I I I you know I haven't researched this, but I'm going to make that statement. Well, let's kind of look at the Nets just from a bigger picture sort of thing, like we do here. What does this say about team building, Mo, in the modern NBA? Because it just seems like the personalities are are combustible, and it's harder and harder to gauge chemistry ahead of time. I just, I, I honestly, it's, I think teams have to start thinking a little bit differently in terms of how they go about business. And I think you you got to look at it as maybe we shouldn't chase stars. Right. Like this is becoming a very uh, challenging scenario here. And, and, and yeah, look, Seth, you're right. Like, hey, and, and if there was no vaccine mandate, probably wouldn't have any of this problem. Or if Kyrie decided to take the vaccine, probably really wouldn't have uh, this, these issues. But that's not the reality we live in. But you're, you're, you're almost like the and I know I said it here on this podcast before, but the Nets built a culture and threw it away for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, the first chance they get, which by the way, every team would have done. I'm not just crushing the nets on that, but it's just the concept of you went chasing for stars. You turned your organization over to them and now you're getting bit in the ass with it. It's not like, you know, it's, it's every decision they made after that. were all bad decisions for the most part, you know, a couple of stuff here and there. Okay. That's fine. That's marginal, but 
everything was based on what those guys wanted and it's bit them in the ass. And it's, you look at who won the championship this year, a team that's home, homegrown, the team they beat another homegrown team, you know, there's, and I'm not saying there's only one way you got to be, all these teams got to be homegrown, but you got to be smart about how you're building it. I really think front offices and, and teams in general are going to have to start rethinking this a little bit. And it's not just, Hey, Let's just go get the biggest possible stars we can and, and, and hope it all works out. So it's no longer one weird trick to win you an NBA title. And this is touching on something that I think, I think Hollinger wrote about this during the playoffs. And we've talked about this, I, I like Mo, and I think we'll get to it later uh, with, if we talk about some of the signings. But um, because playoff basketball is becoming, it's, it's becoming almost as much, not as much, but a lot more about who the worst guy is on the floor than the best guy. It's not enough to simply, ah, oh, we got this. Well, we got these two stars. We'll roll out. We'll fill, you know, veterans will come sign for us. And then like what invariably happens is the stars pick the veterans and they pick guys who are good four years ago. And, you know, and, and so those guys aren't good enough. And so I think it's, it's much more, it's not the one weird trick. It's, you got to make a, like, okay, you got to, you got to, you do have to get the top end players. Like, I don't think that's changed, but you have to do that. And you have to put yourself in position to make all these other decisions. Well, to put the pieces around them, to keep the team together without like, you know, blowing up your, your, your cap book. And so it's, it's, it is both the big and little things. And I think a lot of the problems we're seeing are, well, we did the big thing. I guess we're done here. We don't have to pay attention anymore. And then that does stuff like, I don't know, not being able to sign your second round draft picks to more than two years. And then you, then you put yourself in a position where Alex Caruso walks because you will get there. But this is, this is what I'm talking about is, is like that stuff matters more now because the league is much more competitive. And it's just, but it's just not thinking about it. Right. It's like, after you get the star move, it's not thinking of what's the next move. You know, it's just assuming the work is done now. And that's the biggest mistake. The hardest thing I was with the Clippers when we had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. The hardest thing for us after that was finding the pieces we needed in between to make everything else work and, and get going. And I think that's the, the biggest challenge with these things. And I think that's the mistake a lot of these front offices are doing. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I would, I would throw JJ Redick in there with, with that, with that squad as well. But yeah, that, that fifth spot in any bench was just never there with those teams. Um, by the way, breaking news. <laughs> Uh, Timberwolves yeah. are signing Kyle Anderson. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, I like that actually. Um, DeAndre Jordan is, is the guy that they signed with KD and Kyrie. Like that, that was a, a classic example of the veterans that, that the stars choose aren't necessarily like, I mean, Nick Claxton was a better player. I think the day they signed DeAndre Jordan. No, uh, Jared Allen. Jared Allen. Jared Allen. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Jared Allen. Sorry. Not, not Claxton. Although Claxton well, was Claxton too. too. Claxton was too. Yeah. I, he might've been, you know, in high school. But uh, I, I do think that the problem started there and, and in team building. Now it seems like you're better <laughs> off and, and they were, and Brooklyn was almost there trying to only do two stars and then higher end complimentary role players. But it, it's just an impossible task when the personalities are like this, that's the issue, right? This has nothing to do with talent has nothing to do with fit I mean, these guys are really good when they're able to play basketball together, but you have one guy who who's coming back off injury and looks incredible. And, and, you know, we all agree, Kevin Durant, I'm assuming he's in a, in a 
tier one, Seth. Yeah. Uh, I, I can spoil that. Yes, Kevin Durant. Yes, is, okay. Is, is, is in tier. Yeah, one. not a hot, not a hot take. Um, and Kyrie is a fantastic basketball player when he plays. But again, I mean, the, the personalities matter. So I want to talk about Steve Nash because we discussed this when they hired Nash to coach the team, and we talked about some of the things we thought Nash was good at, and, and some of the things that I don't know. I think he struggled a little bit. Would a more experienced coach have, have I don't know. Maybe he would have made this a little bit better, or or is it just you can't really coach stars in the league? Um, I mean, I don't think it's not you can't coach stars. There's some like there's there's a there's a there's a, a you know let's be honest. There's one individual here that just we don't have to dance they, around it. You yeah. can't coach Kyrie. Yeah, let's can. just be honest. Yeah. The, dude, the dude's just unreliable. Yeah, I think that. I, mean, I, mean, I think we, we don't need to dance around it. The dude just decides, "Hey, I want to take PTO because it's near my birthday. I'm going to take a few days off." Like it's there's no real way to actually like. I wasn't a fan of the Nash hiring. I was critical of it, and I thought Nash did a better job than I thought. And and but ultimately, like I don't look at any coaches going, "Sign me up, let me coach Kyrie." I mean, we're going to get to this in a few minutes when we talk about his value around the league in a potential trade. But I mean, that's that's the truth, right? Like the problem that they're running into right now is that they also need to move Kyrie. And it it seems like that's going to be a, a steep hill to climb. Like who what like who wants to sign up for that day to day? That's the, like that's it's you know, again, you this is a, you know, 24 seven job for 10 months of the year. And I just like dealing with that. Like, I think that's, that's their season was fine when he just like, okay, he's off doing whatever he's doing. We're, we're getting to work. They were fine. They were good. They were leading the East. They were looking great. Now a couple injuries, they get some COVID, they panic, I think, and say, um, you know, whether this was management, whether this was Durant, whether this was Nash, they, they panic and like, Oh man, we got it. We need some reinforcements. So bring this guy back. And then that's, you know, you don't want to, you know, post hoc, post hoc, or go propter hoc, but that's a line in the sand for their season where really good disaster after that. We're going to take a quick break. And after we come back, we're going to talk about potential landing spots for Kevin Durant. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. 
And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Kevin Durant made his trade request and he listed a couple of teams that he was interested in uh, the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns. And Mo, you've been working the trade machine. We've been talking all day basically since the trade request came out. The Phoenix thing makes sense. I mean, I, look, Kevin Durant on either of those teams instantly makes them. You know, oh, finals makes, favorites, he makes, maybe he makes 90 percent of the like he makes most of the league yeah. uh, title favorites or any of the teams that are kind of contenders or close. He makes some title favorites. He's a freaking unbelievable player. Like, I love watching KD play. Um, you know, it's it's there are challenges for both of those teams to trade for him. I think the the obvious one for Miami is. Listen, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, and Duncan Robinson, and whatever picks you want to throw in there is not getting it done. You probably got to include I would hope Bam. not. I would certainly hope not. No, I, it, it won't. They're not going to. And I and, hang up as soon as I hear Ty. No, it, we're not having that. No, but I mean, like, you know, but they can't include Bam because of the designated rookie contract rule because they've already traded for Ben Simmons. You can't trade for two of those types of contracts for those that don't know. And so now, so Bam's out. So they can't trade for Bam. Unless they trade Simmons again. Unless they, they trade, trade Simmons. Simmons again. Which, who the hell is doing that? You know, but it's it, it now. Okay, so now it becomes super complicated just on that end for Miami. Now you look at Phoenix, and the most obvious thing, because this was what I was on, the train I was on until a little bit later, but was, oh, sign and trade for Aiton. Throw in whatever. Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, both of them, whatever. Throw in picks. Make that happen. But then the Nets go and sign, re-sign uh, Nick Claxton for two years. So I don't think they have any interest in DeAndre Ayton. So now it's a matter of trying to find a home for DeAndre Ayton, you know, and, and, and almost like a three-team trade. Let me just put it to you this way. I'm spending way too much time on a trade machine right now. For for free agency day, for sure. But free agency is kind of dead. This is how it works. So it seems like, I mean, he the, the Nets theoretically have all the leverage. He's under contract. He's got four years left. But there is absolutely no way he's getting moved to a team that he doesn't approve. I, I don't. I just don't see him. You know, this is not a Kawhi situation to me. How do you guys? I mean, do you, can you see a scenario where he gets sent to Oklahoma City for a bunch of draft picks and Chet? I mean, it, that's unrealistic. But somewhere he doesn't want to be. I, I just don't. I don't think this league would suffer that at this point. I, I mean, I think you could. It's almost easier to sell it on the one year because it's like, okay, Kawhi, give us a good year. We're gonna go after this title, and then you know, we'll do it. Then do what you gotta do. Whatever right? happens, happens. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um. So it's it's not that. So, I mean, I think it's. I mean, for at this point, by the way, I I you know to editorialize a little. I don't think I don't think it's. I don't think making Katie a villain is totally fair at this point now if he's like completely unreasonable it's like oh nope trade me to miami no matter what and it's like well but there's we can't trade you, you to can't miami. do it yeah, yeah. we, we can't right. well i'm only going to miami well then then we can talk and then and then like that just like 
you know, big picture that blows the league up because like lockout city, if you signed a four year contract and then you took your ball and went home, like the Simmons was thing was bad enough. And now if one of the top five players in the league does that, we got problems. Um, so, but I, I, I do think that like, you know, I would, I would imagine you could talk him into a wider range of teams than just those two, but it's going to have to be a championship level team. Yeah, I, and and it should be like he should be demanding to go to a championship level team in that instance. I will find it interesting. I think the the scope's going to widen. I think you know the the window for those two teams to make a move was really small. Like in Miami and Phoenix to make the move, I felt like they would have had to do it very quickly. I think we're going to see a lot of interesting teams. I think you know New Orleans might be a team that throw gets throws their hat in the ring there a little bit, and they have a ton of assets. I think you know. Memphis could be a really interesting team. I think there's a lot of areas to look that I think can make it interesting. I think you could use Indiana as a filler, as a third team to try to help send pieces elsewhere and things like that. I think there's going to be some stuff where I think you're looking at it, and I think we're going to find a very interesting trade. But this is it's it's a tough spot. I mean, it's a big blow for the Nets, obviously, but I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he where he ends up and how they get there. I'm, and, I'm still just so confused about it. Like, I, I'm still very confused by the Royce O'Neal thing. Because, like, this this didn't come out of left field. And, okay, I'm just, like... It doesn't make much sense. But the, the truth is, there's no incentive for the Nets to tank at all next year. They don't own their picks. They don't, they don't have... I mean, they need to, I guess, try to make the playoffs. So, you know, Mo is throwing out... Malcolm Brogdon in in three team trades here, trying to get him to Brooklyn. I, I think that 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 sounds right up their alley. I think that they're gonna also try to do some picks and and do some pick swaps, but they need players who can actually play. I'm also gonna push back on on they don't they, they don't want to tank. Sometimes you don't want to tank. You just can't help but it. Yeah, it's you're the gonna tank of where anyway. you're gonna be. Like you're just that bad. And I think that's just the situation. Good on Houston. Houston's going to control their draft. Like for me, if I'm, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm going like, I'm just trying to get draft assets back. So we're just not completely bare as we were before. And I think that's going to be their biggest challenge. And I think that's something that they're going to have to figure out like in this trade process with KD and probably Kyrie right after that. Okay. So we, we kind of understand that Kevin Durant has a robust trade market, but you, a guy you mentioned as a potential trade piece for Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton. I I have no read on what his market is. And this was a guy who did not get a max extension that I, I think we all thought was going to happen. And clearly things fell apart from a relationship standpoint there toward the end. And now it, it, it seems like things are dried up for DeAndre Ayton. The biggest problem here, I thought like I did not think Phoenix should have should have given the max extension before the season. Um, the biggest problem is what you said is like that puts you in a situation where you have to manage the relationship, and that really seems like that was not done well. And now it's now you're sort of in a situation where they're probably market wise in position to squeeze, but the players already sort of agitated and unhappy and, you know, having just got done talking about what bad vibes can do to an otherwise very good team. That I think, you know, that's the, like, so, okay. They, 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 they somehow come back and it's like a, like he gets a, 
you know, five for, you know, he gets like the, the John Collins contract or something like that to come back. That's going to not going to be, a, that's not going to be a happy, happy place in, in a, in a, in a team that's already like agitated about the way their season ended. Like that has, that has um, powder keg potential. It's, it's amazing how quickly the market dried up on him though. And I mean, like within hours, I don't know if I've ever seen it dry up that quickly in the sense of like a week ago. Oh, I thought Detroit was going to make a run at him. I thought maybe San Antonio was going to make a run at him. Like there were different areas. I thought, okay, like that's at least two teams right there. Like, boom. And before the, before the free agency hour hit, not that it matters for anybody because we discussed tampering. Um, <laughs> it didn't seem, I was just so confused. No idea where he's going to go. Now Brooklyn's off the, the, the table with, with them taking Claxon. Well, so they were signing tra- His agent was scrupulously not taking meetings until, you know, an hour and a half ago. So, you know, he was like, that's what happened. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah. Like his, his agent stuck behind the, the, the rules there of, of, Hey man, 6 PM Eastern. We're not taking meetings till then, but I think ultimately it's, it's amazing to see that. And now I just don't know where he ends up. And it's it set to your point. Like, I don't think he can go back to Phoenix. I don't, I mean, the comments Monty Williams made after the game seven and things like that, like that bridge is burnt to me. And I don't feel like there's an, uh, like, you know, they sign him and stuff and, and sure. Like it'll, they'll probably find hope to trade him. Look at how well that's worked for Atlanta, who's been trying to trade John Collins since as soon as the ink dried on that contract. Like, I think it's 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 really just kind of shocking. And I, I've been asking you guys, I'm asking other people. I have no idea where DeAndre Ayton ends up. Like, I don't know who has the interest for that that's and, and the money to go get him. And the restricted free agency part of this allows Phoenix to just kind of hang out. It they doesn't, can, it, they can it sort doesn't, it, it out. doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't. Because the big thing is if they don't want him to walk for nothing, they can't let him sign a contract. They can't let him sign a term sheet. They got, if they're going to do a sign and trade, they have to be the proactive ones in that. They can't do that. Once he uh, signs an offer sheet from whoever Sacramento or wherever, then it's just two options. Let him walk for nothing or, or match the contract. And I think that's the the decision where we're going to head off to, but I just don't know where that contract's coming from. We all need Vivek run a to just go completely wild card here maybe throw oh. an offer, oh. big offer at DeAndre Ayton, maybe throw out a huge trade uh, offer for KD. Just let, let's just, you know, take a swing for the fences. Uh, we're going to come back after the break and kind of talk about some of the teams that we uh, didn't necessarily like from free agent signing day. All right, guys, here's a little segment uh, in honor of Seth called what are we doing here? The Knicks just, they moved heaven and earth for Jalen Brunson. And Jalen Brunson's a nice player. It's a lot of money, guys. What do you think about the Knicks making Jalen Brunson this sort of a priority? I wish people could see the video right now. <laughs> it's Okay. <laughs> So let's preface this. this. This whole segment we need to preface by there's something preparatory. Um, in si- so if you're signing guys in free agency to that middle tier kind of basically above the taxpayer, but certainly above the full MLE to the max, those contracts are usually underwater. 
the moment you sign them. That's just the, the nature of the beast. The, depending on on you know what the what the market looks like, there's about a thirty. You're paying about thirty percent more kind of per win if you want to boil it down to that in that sort of mid tier. And there's reasons for that. And if you want to know why, read my book. Um, yeah. Um, so you know, saying oh that's too much money for this guy for that guy whatever. No, that's, that's just kind of the the game you're playing. The the issue here is first of all it's too much money for a guy who's been fine. He's been good. Is he the 75th best player in the league? Is he the 60th best player in the league? Is he ever going to be an all-star? Is he ever going to sniff an all-star team? I don't think so. So, okay, you you spend a little too much for that. That's fine. You got your guy, whatever. But then the, 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 on top of that, you are, you're moving, you're moving assets to do it. You're trading to get off money of these other players and you're so you're not just it's not just the 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 dollar amount it's all the future stuff you're giving up and now you're locking yourself into another big contract for a guy who is if he performs at the level he did in dallas in a worse environment for him to perform because their spacing is going to be crap if he if he stays healthy and performs at that level and the knicks are decent he will perform at that contract everything else is downside and the upside for the Knicks is what they can be. They can challenge for the sixth seed with their books clogged with you know Julius Randle and whatever they're going to give RJ Barrett and and so on and so forth. Like I, I just it's uh you know our, our Hollinger John Hollinger likes to talk about going all in on mediocre, and it seems like they're in a position where they're all in and they'd be almost fortunate to get to mediocre. So I ask, what are we doing here? Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Go it's, ahead. Go ahead. It's Mom. it's it's a weird trick. Like it, it was a weird move. I felt like, listen, if it was Jalen Brunson and somebody, okay, now I'm more intrigued here. But it's like if your big move was, hey, we're gonna go get Jalen Brunson. What's the plan? What's the plan? You have a ball dominant guy in Julius Randle. Now you're trying to move Julius Randle, but let's be honest, nobody really wants him. And then you have, you know, RJ Barrett, who's improved, Seth's favorite player, has kind of taken, has gotten pretty good this season. I thought he had a, I don't want to say a full leap, but like a half leap. He took a step. He took steps. He took steps. He took steps. Not a full leap, though, I don't think. I don't think that's fully fair, but like I'm intrigued by him. I'm really excited to watch him. Those are guys that pair well with Jalen Brunson. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me in, in that scenario. Like, I don't understand what that piece is. Um, and I think the ultimate thing is when I'm watching them, I just don't see where they where they go now. What's the next move? You know, uh, um, it was funny. I kind of just tweeted out later, like, this is fine if you have a plan. I just don't think the Knicks have a plan. Okay, we're going to go after the next guy. Like, I don't know where you're at. You're not in a position. Not like you can go get DeAndre Ayton now. Right, like you're not in any scenario. You have Mitchell Robinson. You're probably going to bring back as a restricted free agent, most is what I would guess. But like ultimately, I don't see where they're going with this stuff. And Seth, like you're right in the sense of like I don't know if it gets them even to mediocre. Now there's a team on the other side of the Jalen Brunson signing, and and that's the Mavericks, who lost Jalen Brunson. They they apparently made an offer, but uh, the Knicks made an offer he couldn't turn down, uh, like hiring his dad. So the Mavericks, they got here through their own mistakes because they didn't lock him up early. You guys like how the Mavericks have sort of responded to that? I mean, there's a Christian Wood trade where they're sending out draft picks. Feels a little short-sighted. 
And then today they signed JaVale McGee to the full mid-level, um, which sort of hamstrings the their ability to to round out the roster. Mo, um, what I mean, what are we doing here in, in Dallas? I mean, it's a blow for them. Obviously, like they screwed up by never actually finding a way to extend him at the beginning of this year and getting the extension done with everything like that and end up in this scenario. But my bigger issue, I'm not as worried about them as I am, you know, losing them. I think they're going to end up signing Goran Dragic. That's going to be a done, if it's not already a done deal, it's, it's going to be done. I think the, the, they got enough with Dinwiddie and and things like that. They're just going to be mediocre. They're going to be what they were last year. I think their biggest hope and their best improvement is a in shape Luka Doncic coming into camp like ripped, you know, looking like he right. went through a Marvel movie or something like that and is ready to roll. And I think that's going to be the the their best chance of improvement. Um and 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 go from there. Christian Roots fine. Like not doesn't blow me away. Doesn't knock my feet my socks off or anything like that. I was gonna say my feet's off, but nothing really doesn't really do that. Um, but like it just it's like it's okay. There, there's no move that they're making where I'm just like wow. And they're gonna losing Brunson's gonna hurt. I don't think it's gonna hurt as much as people will will think. So my issue here is you ask what the plan for New York was. It, these moves individually, maybe, maybe not. It's just collectively like, okay, you think you're good enough to trade draft picks for Christian Wood, but you're, but you don't want to spend too much on Jalen Brunson. So you let him go. Now you're not good enough anymore, but then you sign a guy who's going to be 37 to like, like a three-year contract to a guy at the end of it is going to be 37 and give him a player option to be your starting center. For a guy who's been a nice, you know, a nice energy backup guy. Um, but while you already have, you know, you already have Dwight Powell, you already have Maxi Kleba, like it's it's the 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 combination of all this just just does not it doesn't the, the left and right hands just don't seem to be working together here. And I, I don't like I and if if you make the if you make the wood trade and then are surprised by the the Brunson like siding with New York, what are you doing? And if you make the trade knowing he's leaving, what are you doing? Because why are you trading draft picks knowing you're probably going to take a step back? I just I'm I'm it's it's weird. Philly, we have a problem. No, Guys, you don't. What are we doing here? No, you don't. You just you're just trying to We're live in the, the rockets. Past. We're putting no. the rockets back together, guys. The uh, the the Philadelphia 76ers brought PJ Tucker and Daniel House getting the getting the gang back together. They're gonna uh, apparently they're gonna re-sign James Harden to a to a reduced value contract, not not a max, so that they could bring these guys in, build the team up. Um, I don't know, Mo. Does bringing in PJ Tucker move the needle for you? Like, does rebuilding the the 2018 Rockets do anything for you? No, it's dumb. It's dumb. I'm sorry. Listen, I like PJ Tucker. He's 37 right now. You're signing him to a three year deal for 33 million. Like he barely made it through the playoffs this year, and he fell really fell hard the last four games of the conference finals. And yeah, he's banged up and injured. You feel like that's better? That's going to be something you're going to be able to fix in Philly? Like it it doesn't make sense to me why he why Daryl Morey feels like he needs to bring the gang back together for one last job. Like, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. I like the DeAnthony Melton move they made. 
I thought that was a great pickup for them on draft day. I thought that was that was solid. And now we're just going to get older. We're going to we're not really going to be that much better. They signed Daniel House. Okay, that's fine. Like I don't I just feel like you're you're honestly just wasting in beats time with this roster. Like this is a joke to me. I don't feel like you've gotten better that much. I don't feel like you've really improved in a way that's that's lifted this team up into hey, we're going to be contenders next year. They're just going to be fine. They're going to be a threat. And as long as Embiid's healthy, they're always going to be in the mix, but they're going to fall short. I just don't, I just think this doesn't make sense to me of let's bring back all the Houston Rockets. It's so funny because Doc Rivers is the coach. And this is the same stuff that Doc Rivers did when he was with the Clippers, right? Uh, Amin Al-Hassan of Metal Arc Media used to say it all the time. Doc Rivers loved guys that used to play for him beat or beat him. You know, and I think that's that's exactly what Daryl Morey's doing. Guys that used to play for him, he's bringing back. I just hate it. I don't like it. <laughs> we got to see if uh, Big Baby Davis can can give him five minutes. How night. does how does PJ Tucker fit with Joel Embiid? Well, in theory, right, he stretches the floor. He'll be in the corner, three point shooter. He can crash the offensive rebounds and things like that. Like, fine, I get that. He's thirty seven years old. Try to find the younger version. Right. Like try to go find those guys. Like, that's the thing. Like you needed to get younger and more athletic. Cause like, here's the thing. When I look at this team still can't guard anybody on Boston. They can't guard any of the wings on Boston. And Matisse Tybel, I mean, he, can, can he play in the playoffs? Like offensively? I, I think uh, that I, that kind of gums you up. I, I don't expect Matisse Tybel to be back. Yeah. I don't think so either. You know, they're, um, they're, they're looking to move him. So I, I, I'll i be surprised if they, if, if he's actually back. How do you guys, do you guys feel like Embiid is going to be able to facilitate from the post the way that, that he was pre James Harden last year? Cause I, I just don't see that. Like, there's just not enough movement. I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's the right? big thing is like, actually t- like t- to his credit, PJ Tucker did play on the move more in Miami. Now, if he's not having to get on the scale every day in Philly, like he was in Miami, if he can still do that again, is a, is a, a question I would say, given that he's 37, but yeah, no, he's a guy who, especially if he's playing with James Harden, he is like, you know, he is the, the, the peg stretching the tent all the way to the corner. He's just there in the, in the corner the whole time on offense. So, you know, with, okay. And B can catch the ball at the elbow, turn and face, and there'll be eight guys staring back at him. Cause Harden will be back at half court with his guy and everyone else is just going to be staring straight at him, looking at him. And it's like, yeah, maybe he can do something from there, but it's not like there's going to be obvious place to be made. He's going to have to just then create everything from scratch, which he can do, but you would prefer to minimize the amount he has to do that. I just, I just don't like what they're putting together there. I just don't get it. You know, and I, I, I know a lot of teams were interested in PJ Tucker and, and making that run at him. And, and to be honest, I would have looked at last year and just kind of been like, yeah, he shot the hell out of it, but he also kind of struggled to stay healthy and things like that. I would just have a hard time feeling like I'm going to give him a three year deal. Three, like he's going to be 40 at the end of this. Like, what are we doing? And already, like you said, already wasn't moving all that great toward the end of the season. And, and, Look, look kind of rough in the playoffs. Um, and finally, guys, I want to talk about a deal that that happened a, a couple of days ago or yesterday. DeJounte Murray traded to the Hawks. 
the defensive guard that they've been looking for to pair with Trey Young, they give up three fir- a future firsts and a swap to the Spurs. Uh, the Spurs going full tank mode for Victor Wimbanyama. Um, very, very obviously. Uh, how do you guys feel about DeJounte? I just want to, to be clear because I know how Mo feels about this, but I want to be clear. We're drawing a line under what are we doing here, and this is just Mo pumping the brakes, not a full what are yes, we doing yeah, here. Yeah, this so, isn't, we don't, we don't hate this. Yeah, 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 yeah sorry. <laughs> this is really a yeah. what are we doing yeah. here? This is interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, go ahead, Mo. No, I feel like everybody kind of went ballistic, right? They, they The trade happened. And, and everybody was like, the Hawks got so much better. And I think they improved immensely defensively. I have a lot of questions what's going to happen for them offensively because I don't think DeJounte Murray pairs very well with Trey Young in the offensive court. I think Trey Young's got to commit to being an off-ball guy. And everybody who's like, okay, he's going to do it now. Okay, but he didn't do it when he had Bogdanovich. And I thought Bogdan Bogdanovich is a better offensive player than than DeJounte Murray. And I feel like he could do more of that stuff, but Trey Young wasn't willing to. And to just kind of throw it out there, like I looked at synergy just, just to make sure I wasn't going crazy and looked at the regular season numbers in the playoffs. According to synergy, 50.7% of Trey Young's play types pick and roll. After that, isolation 16.3, transition 13.7. Then after that, 7% spot up, which is basically 157 possessions for entire regular season and playoffs, 3.6 in handoffs, so it's not like he starts off ball and then comes back to it that often, 26 plays off of screens. He's going to change? Like, we just think it's just going to happen that easily? And then even if he does, he's small, man. He's not as big as Steph Curry, right? Like, he's what? Six feet, he's listed as six two. But let's be honest, he's six feet and 150 pounds soaking wet. He's going to get pushed around trying to run off screens and things like that. Like, it's really hard to be that off ball constant movement guy in the way that Steph Curry is. Like, he makes it look easy and we kind of give him a ton of credit for it, but it's hard. And I don't think that that's it will only work if he's going to be that guy and be effective being that guy. I have a lot of doubts he's going to be that guy, even if he just relocated after he gave the ball up. Right. Like it, he doesn't have to run off screens like Steph Curry. He doesn't have to set screens like Steph Curry. If he just made a pass, moved away, made a pass, came back to the ball. That's it. Like it's not it's not even that complicated. And then with when you have a guy, I mean, the more he moves, the more the more impactful DeJounte Murray can actually be on offense because Trey Young has gravity and he can have gravity away from the ball if he would go play there. And DeJounte. When he gets middle, that's pretty potent. And if you get some shooters out there, I mean, listen, I I happen to like John Collins a lot. If he's out there, you've got a couple of guys who can, you know, run, pick, and roll. you got Collins who can pick and pop. I mean, this guy is, I mean, it's a 40% three-point shooter. You know, they've got pieces where it could work, but you're right, Mo. It is all about Trey Young. I also think they're not done. They they, they 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 have too many dudes right now. They have too. They have. They have. They have too many guys. They. They need to. You know. They, whether it's 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 you know Kevin Herter, or DeAndre Hunter, or you know Collins and Capella to try to get a get a big or something like that. Um. Like like you know Capella's great, but uh, or, or fine. He works well with them. But yeah, I th- I just feels like there is one more move for them to make. And I I like I think I agree with Mo's overall point. 
this makes them like incrementally better. I don't think it's a sea change better. Um, and you know, for what they gave up, it's it's, it's one of those things that's probably fine. But the downside, given that these are some unprotected picks, like I thought, I thought, I thought San Antonio did a nice job actually, like laying the groundwork because of all the reaction were like that's all it's like they, they got a ton <laughs> but because like because san antonio had had allowed it to be out there that their asking price was just astronomical it seems like this was modest when i think it was probably still a mild overpay for atlanta i mean i mean those picks being unprotected are huge and my my i, I am gonna hit the spurs here a little bit though too though i hate the fact that they're tanking i hate it Right. Like you had DeJounte Murray. I think you had the cap space to go after DeAndre. And I think that's a very interesting young team in the Western Conference right there. And, you know, whatever their calculation is and, and the extra four or five percent to get Webbenyama. Did I say it correctly? Webbenyama. Okay, close enough. I believe. Um, you know, but like the I'll be, I'll work on it for 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 next draft show. Um, the the ultimate thing is I feel like that's just a gamble. I hate tanking. I think this is I, – I hate that they did that. So, you know, like they got a bunch of picks out of it. Great. Good for them. Like there is no guarantee they're going to be in the top three. So whether it's for Victor or whether it's for Scoot, I don't think they're they're, they're, they're still in that tough uh, spot. Let me ask you guys a question. Real quick. Hindsight obviously is 2020. But this package – would this have made an interesting package to Brooklyn? You, you know, I, I've thought about this a little bit. Like, did Atlanta take themselves out of a potential KD trade to get the Jonte Murray? Now, you can't, obviously, they didn't know KD was going to ask for a trade, but I wonder if they're kind of hurting today. <laughs> because they Pop, might Pop have been able to get KD. Pop has coached him. Maybe it's oh, like you're, you're thinking. thinking. <laughs> that oh, would be yeah, that would, I know that I was thinking more San Antonio, you know that would be that would be that would be funny if San Antonio just turned around and just like you know rerouted I just want like to most point I mean I think we do have to consider whether they they probably know whether Aiden had any interest in going there and I think so I think yeah. that that has that I think that has to be considered I bet he has interest now with nobody willing to throw a cough up the max right now yeah they, I mean, they can still be. Uh, for, they can, honestly, they can still be. They can still be pretty okay. They sign. They they sign Aiton and and pick up a few. I guess here and there, they'll still be solid. Like it's not like they were, even with Murray, they were you know pretty middling last year. Like they never. I don't think they. They, you know, especially once New Orleans got their stuff together, like they weren't really on track to they do were, anything. They're a thirty-four win team, and and the West is probably going to be harder next year so uh all right so i think that's a good place to stop guys uh obviously there's going to be more signings there's going to be a kevin durant trade there's probably going to be a kyrie irving trade uh this is shaping up to be uh, at least two emergency podcasts yeah folks, we're going on the athletic podcast fourth of july network. fireworks <laughs> all weekend from long the road the nba that's yeah, call right. me from the road it's gonna be on the road uh, we're all heading to Vegas next week. So, you know, you'll hear a lot more from us. Uh, keep it locked in to the Athletic NBA Show. Daily Ding for all your emergency updates. And, of course, we'll have the Saturday Slam and Jam coming out uh, this weekend. Uh, for Seth and for Mo, I'm Dave. Thank you guys for listening to Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. Okay, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I had some pride. Like, damn, I'm a part of something special. You know, um, 
know, it was only two championships out of four. It's like, shit, JaVale McGee probably felt the same way I did. David West probably felt the same way I did. You know, we all came in at the same time with the Warriors, and we had some uh, amazing times, and to see them finish it and continue it, um, yeah, you have, to, you have a sense of pride within us to be a part of that within us. Then you listen to the broadcast, and just like, well, Hey baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, Join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.